Yo, well, how's it going, indie wrestling fans? Welcome to Indie Handshake Podcast. I am Jesus Cruz, and today I'm joined by wrestler, trainer, and promoter Billy Blade. Billy Blade, how you doing, brother? What up, Jesus, man? It's been many, many, many years, man. It's crazy how we're still doing this, isn't it? Yeah, no, I met Billy Blade around 2003, 2002, 2003. I used to go down to um, CWA. We'll talk about CWA in a second. I used to go down there with Ron Head, uh, Vic Grimes, uh, Vinny Massaro, and just road trip down. And uh, CWA was a very well put together promotion, and it was very, it gave a lot of people a lot of opportunities. And we'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, Billy was cool enough to let me go and, and do my thing and film for our uh, local TV show that we had up here in the Bay Area. So yeah, thank you for that, man. You know, I always remember that you were one of the cool ones. Yeah, man. Uh, I just appreciate like when I first started and we'll talk about all that, I'm sure. But like, uh, it's just one of those things with CWA in my area, there was no professional wrestling, you know, California wrestling Alliance. And, uh, the guy that made the logo, it made it kind of look like a bat. I remember that. And a friend of mine, uh, uh, his name is Jesse justice. And actually he makes a bunch of belts now for, uh, Millican belts. I believe now he's out in North Carolina, but, um, he, he was real cool. And you know, I had a really cool setup and, you know, everybody in, I, I don't know. I know uh, we'll talk about the CWA thing and all that, but yeah, and I appreciate like you coming down and I just felt we were kind of the center of California. So we can use center uh, NorCal guys and SoCal guys and not get heat because that's what a lot of people got back then. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, I remember we'll that kind of stuff. That. Yeah. So, oh, so sure, tell us, yeah. you know, st standard question, how did you get in, uh, interested in pro wrestling? And more importantly, how did you find indie pro wrestling in your area? Oh man. So you, you get some youngsters that we call them youngsters, you know, nowadays, you know, they'll go, they'll be 10 years in the business. Go, oh, I went on the internet and I, I did this and did that. Well, shoot, I didn't really know too much about inter internet and whatnot. I mean, I know it was there, but I didn't use it for wrestling for, for the most part. Um, so what I end up doing is um, when I was a kid, man, just like anybody else, I loved wrestling. My dad, my mom, uh, my aunt got, uh, believe it or not, my aunt won a million dollars on the, on the lot, on the big spin back in the day. So, she was the, the aunt that, you know, had the big, big satellite that sent in your yard. If you remember those, a real big satellite. And they ran four pay-per-views a year back in the day. And so what I would do as a kid is my, my mom would take me every three months to the pay-per-views. And I'd go and watch pay-per-view because I just was a huge fan. Ultimate Warrior was my favorite as I was younger. So I used to do the tassels and I'd make belts and me and my brother wrestle. I mean, that's I'm typical everybody's wrestling. But when I got older, of course, I started liking different styles like um, Rob Van Dam, I started noticing our uh, ECW on like a, like a, um, it wasn't regular cable, you know, it was like access or something like that at like three in the morning. I'm like, man, this Rob Van Dam guy's bad. You know, this guy's badass. Anyway, bottom line is I started doing all the, um, research, you know, whatever. And, uh, Ultima Warrior actually had a wrestling school when I started thinking about it. And so I got a cocked Ultima Warrior, which is kind of crazy considering I was like my, favorite wrestler of all time and all of a sudden he answers you know the phone and it's him in character and everything you know oh, no, 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 no. i'm like holy <laughs> crap it's ultimate warrior where was but this at? his school where, was where, in arizona arizona okay it was in arizona yeah so what ended up happening is i called him and and he was expensive i can't remember pricing or whatever but it was it was pretty out there in arizona and you know it just to me i didn't know how to do about go about it whatnot you know what i mean so i eventually researched and ultimate warrior came from School of Hard Knocks and Rick Bassman and all the, it was a big, they all a combination of the Sting and Ultimate Warrior, you know, I'm like, oh, so then it's in San Bernardino, that's where my aunt lives, so what I started doing is I started going that route, you know, and I started training down with Jesse Hernandez, and I got really lucky because the classes I was in 
I mean, Frankie, Frankie Kazarian was really the kind of head trainer. Uh, and then we had guys like KG Sakota and I mean, even like, like Brawlin Bo Cooper and, and I mean, the class, Bobby Bradley, I mean, the class goes on and on and on. I mean, there's so many people that came out of that school, I mean, even if they don't admit it, that's what's funny about it. You know what I mean? And then, um, yeah, so it went down to school hard knocks, but then they had a big split, him and Bill Anderson, because it was a big controversy, you know? So Bill Anderson and Jesse Hernandez split. So I'd go to Jesse's and Bill's and train. So Bill would train with like, you know, like TJ Perkins and the Cubanitos and whatnot, and they would train. And it was fun, man. I mean, we I did train for a long time, probably a year or so. I don't remember how long, a year and a half, which is a long time for independent wrestling, you know? And then, uh, then I went on, then I, I had a baby that was due. Uh, so that kind of halted me going as regularly down south. So I ended up going to Ultimate Pro Wrestling on Sundays. They had an amateur club. I mean, like a semi-pro class. Had Joey Ryan and, and Scott Lost and uh, Matrix. If you remember Matrix and, and guys like that, I think he was the head trainer for Matrix. And then Tom Howard had a WWE developmental class on that that night. So I would end up hanging out and staying as long as I can. And kind of like I basically was the throwing guy. Like, Do whatever you want with me. I want to learn, you know. Heiderich, Nathan Jones. I mean, all these guys are getting, and Chris, Chris Daniels was like training there. All these guys were actually um, uh, there to train for developmental because they were on a contract. But then, um, then of course, you know, and you'll, you'll move on to CWA, but Martin Moran would come in and, and he would teach a lot of Lucha to us because he would, uh, we would, we were joining together and whatnot, you know? So, I mean, uh, I learned as I, I still learn to this day. I mean, uh, you can't stop learning, you know, no matter where you go. And that's, I mean, promoting wrestling, uh, you know, whatever, managing whatever, you know. So yeah. So when you got into into training, was it what you expected, or what were some of the like shocks? Like, oh shit, this really hurts, or hey, I don't know if I really want to do this. Oh yeah, you know what? I did all the sports in school and whatnot. I'm very athletic, and I'll tell you, wrestling was the hardest thing to get into. But I loved it, man. From the very first session, I, I you know, me, I, it was something I I knew I wanted to do for sure. Now, um. Did I do, did I go by, did I go about the right choices on, on, you know what I mean? On how I went about, like, I guess, and we'll get to the CWA and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, um, it was definitely hard though, to, for sure. Now people that sit there and make fun of wrestling or whatever, man, it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. And uh, it took a lot of dedication. And, and, and the thing about these kids nowadays is, uh, and I'm not knocking them, but you know, they don't understand the dedication it takes to, uh, you know, train for years and not get anything or not go anywhere, not do anything because back then they didn't have as much wrestling like that, like there is now, you know? So, I mean, I think a lot of guys, my, my years, you know, I've been doing it 20 years now. Um, in fact, you're asking me when I, when I started, I shoot, man, I think I started training either December 99 or January 2000. I can't remember. And that's the thing about Jesse schools that he would have a list on your, on the wall and he would just write your name and, lesson one two three and you just keep going you know and so um so somewhere around there you know what i mean so when you uh when did you debut and uh talk us about your experience in your first match was it for uh ewf uh yeah i believe you know funny thing is is i wrestled okay so uh it was for ewf like was one of my first matches honestly i can't remember my first exact match because we did a lot of practice matches back in the day so i don't remember what was considered a my first official match i mean in front of a crowd obviously but um i just know that when i started the cwa thing i had a newborn so i wasn't able to go to jesse's like i wanted to anymore or at least as often as i like so i thought well man maybe i should get something local so i can at least work out of my ring and, and do whatever whatever well that turned into running and start on a promotion and 
and training people that maybe I shouldn't have been the best trainer in the world at that time. But you know what? I mean, I was taught with a great foundation. So I think that, um, you know, that helped a lot. And then we started running shows pretty, pretty regularly after that, you know? So I think those were actually personally, my first matches were CWA matches. And then, and then once we, my guys got really good, I, I personally think they did. Um, then we end up uh, doing the CW. Uh, then Jesse, I, I caught a whole Jesse. Hey, can I bring one of my guys down, have a match? Had a good match, and it was really good. One of the, I believe, one of the better matches of that night. And there was a lot of good cards on that show. You know, good matches on that show. So, I don't know yeah. if that would answer your question, but I think it's pretty close. I think. So. Yeah, yeah, no, it did. And um, before we get right into the CWA, tell us how you came up with the gimmick for the Billy Blade gimmick. So, um, oh, by the way, this is my Coke Zero, guys. I'm 18 months sober and this is how my i contemplate it now um billy blade is kind of funny story i always tell because i'm a huge vampire fan and um it wasn't so much even gangrel that's what's funny about everything is like how things worked out and i'll tell you some weird stories about me and gangrel in this because it's crazy how we end up together with all the similarities and everything so when i was looking for a name i was going through my dvds to watch a movie and my vampire movies are always there and and blade was there and then Lost Boys, or Lost Boys, and then Blade, and then something, something, something. And I'm like, huh, Lost Boys, Billy Blade. And I started using Lost Boy, Billy Blade. I thought that was cool. And the funny thing is, if you're a vampire fan, you realize that Blade is actually Vampire Hunter, which is kind of funny. But I just thought the cool Billy Blade thing kind of was kind of cool, you know. And um, Lost Boys' favorite movie of all time. It's all tattooed all over my arms, you know I mean? Uh so I just went with that and then we started doing the lost boys or the empire or immortal fear, you know, and I don't know if you're going to talk about that later now, you know, but, uh, it just kind of stuck and we just started doing the Gothic thing. And, and then a lot of people started telling me I look like Gangrel. And the funny thing, I wasn't really trying to, which is weird about the whole situation. I used to have my hair straight and I just, just glide eyeliner, some fangs, Caden, uh, Chris Cage, Caden Anthony, he never really wanted to do the things, but back then he looked way more gothic to me. If you remember, he had the beard, yeah. he had the hair, yeah. he had a beard at 16 or whatever. You know? So yeah. uh, it was crazy how, uh, you know, how we kind of uh, went well together, you know? So, yeah. So you got into it about, you know, you wanted to see wrestling in your area and that's how, that's how it started. So tell us how it was coming, uh, sorry, how it was uh, starting to promote your own shows for, and uh, how CWA came about. Yeah, so CWA, California Wrestling Alliance, I, you know, like I said, I was home a lot. I had a newborn. I couldn't do much, and I didn't want to just quit wrestling and wait and go back because people sometimes don't go back. Um, I had a place that had a, doesn't have wrestling at all, and it was like two, three, four hours, uh, the closest wrestling promotion. And I had a good – I think I had a pretty good uh, um, grasp on kind of wrestling, how it works and whatever. But, I mean, again, I knew – I didn't know a lot but I, I knew enough to where I could get a show going. So I just, you know, I started getting uh, scouting and this is a funny story. I, I used to work at a toy store and I, uh, KB toys is assistant manager. And I, of course knew all about the wrestling stuff in the store. So anytime somebody came and talked about wrestling action figures, whatever, I'd let them know about my wrestling school. Uh, fast forward to where my school was about to open. And the school was basically really teaching basics, this and that, because I mean, I, I didn't know everything and I never claimed to know anything. But um, I knew drills. I knew that it took just nothing but repetition over and over and over to get everything right. And that's what we did. And, and back to the toy store, all of a sudden, Chris Cage, a.k.a. Katie and Anthony, 
he would show up. I mean, a bunch of people. Next thing you know, he had a whole trampoline. Kid, Kid Omega said that's where he 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 learned about training from. Was that that toy yeah. store from you? Yeah, and the funny thing, he had a tramp. They had a trampoline wrestling federation. It's funny because he, Caden, actually had uh, his backyard was like right to the high school, like he's right next to the high school. So you could jump on a trampoline and look at the um, <laughs> and then look at the uh, football players and stuff. I didn't. I've never seen it. Um, I never seen them really doing it because they started with us, you know. But I, the trampoline was still in the backyard. I mean, Caden started training and whatnot, you know. So um, that's how we got it started. We started running shows. Uh, 2002 was our first major show. And when you ask about first matches, you're talking about uh, smaller matches. All the smaller matches, I mean, they kind of blend together, so many of them in the beginning. But my first major match, I'd say I consider not my first match, period, but I'd say my first match where I learned every, I, I learned so much in one little match when they say little, but it wasn't. I think you might have been there for it because we had, uh, yeah, you were there for it. Um, in fact, you probably have footage of it, but it was a uh, me and Caden or Chris Cage at the time versus the Ballards, and Melissa was on one side, and we had a girl on the other side. The yeah. same match with Essie Rios and uh, and uh, Nova. I mean, uh, right. Mysterioso. I mean, there was all kind of Rick Harold. There's all everybody was there. I don't yeah. remember, but we drew like it was Lompoc. That was a March uh, March 2002 was our first major show because we ran shows in our gym for months before that, maybe a year before that. And what we would do is we run every two weeks and sell out in our, in our little gym with 80 people. And uh, what happened is I want to thank Martin Marin because Martin would bring a bunch of his guys and then join him with my guys, that guys, like I think you had John, John, and we had Cholo and silver tiger and infernal and, and R2K. I mean, the list list goes on black metal. I mean, yeah. and they would come every two weeks and we'd have like these gym shows and, and it just made everybody better. And I'd bring guys like Vinny Massaro and, you know, uh, I mean, just you name it. We've, I mean, it was a huge thing. And then, so when 2002, we debuted a Lompoc Boys and Girls Club was our first big show. You were at that one, man. I think we had like 600 people first show we ever did, you know, and yeah. I, and it was a huge, you know, and the Ballers, I learned a lot. That was like the first team I really learned a lot from because me and Caden were tag team and, and I never knew that much about tag team wrestling until I started working at Ballards. And, and man, I don't care what anybody says. They're probably the best tag team in the world, in my opinion. Like when it comes to learning from them, and just their creativity on, on tag team wrestling, you know, and, and wrestling in general, actually. Right. Right. And how, how was it speaking of tag teams? How was it uh, now uh, teaming with Caden as immortal fear? Oh, I mean, uh, you know, what's funny is like me, like I said, Caden and me, like just clicked. It was perfect. Like what I could, I could, he could do, I could do the other side, you know, I'm lefty, he's righty. So everything we can do, like we matched real well and, even the Ballers used to say that they were really, he thought we were really good. Uh, you know, I think we just didn't have a guidance on where to go because, you know, we still, you know, I trained them and they were young and new. And like I was telling you about SoCal and Censor, they hated us. I don't know so much they hate us. They just didn't want to um, acknowledge us. So for a long time, they called us a PlayStation fed. So all our results we'd send in, they they, they they were fake and whatever until they finally seen us perform at the marketplace they're like oh you know what these people are real and they're actually pretty good you know well yeah i mean you know that's the problem with wrestling sometimes is people you know judge too quickly you know on people and uh yeah tag team and i've been doing a tag team for many years i mean besides caden you know uh you know the mortal fear thing i thought we we traveled all over you know california doing that and you know uh we end up forming rock of love back after that and we'll get i'm sure we'll get to that you know mm -hmm. Uh, you know, but I, I feel like I'm mostly done tag team wrestling, even though I, I've done a lot of singles. I just tag team wrestling to me was just a lot more fun, especially 
having, I think, I don't even know if it'd be that way if it wasn't for really wrestling the Ballers that one match and, and them showing us like a bunch of cool stuff. And, and guys like Vinny Massaro, Vinny Massaro knew a lot about tag team wrestling with the Grimes brothers and whatnot and Vic Grimes and stuff like that. So, you know, just the combination, I think we had a lot of people around us that were helping us through all that kind of stuff. You know, Mike Modest, Donovan Morgan, those guys, you know, were around too. Like, so uh, we had a lot of people around us to kind of make us uh, better. And I think that helps a lot. You know, you don't have, we didn't have a lot of egos back then, you know, and it didn't feel like, and I think you remember that too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, I didn't know that that Lone Pox show was your first like big, big show. And it was first great. Ever, and I yeah. mean, I, uh, I got to meet uh, actually uh, S.A. Rios, we said I get as one of my Lucha Libre idols. So it was kind of cool that I was able to go back. You let us backstage and interview interview him we interviewed uh yeah. nova b-boy little cholo uh yeah that's Vinny, right b-boy little cholo b-boy little cholo were there silver tiger was there Vinny wrestled uh three-way they did Xarian. a three-way yeah yep Vinny and Xarian. hey did did you know that main event funny story about that main event was supposed to be super crazy versus nova ecw reunion oh, uh, and um super crazy somebody told him that we weren't legit or something so he didn't <laughs> show up so like, yeah. so he didn't show up and Martin was able to get S.A. Rios, you know, funny story. And you're going to Omega will contest to this. And so will Caden uh, and all that's pretty funny. Martin got on the microphone after the show. I think it was on the show. I can't remember, but it was pretty funny. He got in a microphone and said, you know what? Mark my words. Chris Jericho will be here <laughs> within a year or something. I don't know when it was. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, he knew Chris pretty well and it's pretty funny. Still waiting for Chris to show up, though. <laughs> I, I mean, I heard he's doing some. I heard he's doing some good things nowadays, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, I remember coming back with Vinny, and you know, on the road trip down, I even have video of this where he's talking about like you never know who's gonna who's gonna be the next best thing. You know, he goes, "This is you know, I've only been working CWA maybe once or twice, but you never know. You never know where where yeah. where you where your um." where your break is going to come from. So that's why Vinny's like, you got to work all these shows in all these places. And you know what? I, I want to put over somebody cause I don't know if I have yet, but I, um, Ron head was the, like came in and become our like ring announcer. Ron head was so good. I always loved the fact he had an X in his beard. I could have never figure out how he did it. Cause I could never keep mine doing it. You know, I can't, <laughs> I couldn't grow a beard then, you know, a long hair, you know, I, I know how to, you know, he, he was super cool. He's still friends with me to this day. Uh, he was really good. He would record his own matches and commentate you know john john phenomenon i know he was there on your show recently john john was fun the funny thing i listened to your interview by the way i want to give you guys props uh, i really appreciate all the old footage and stuff i think a lot of the other guys are appreciated too you know yeah. john john man it's funny he's still the same john john when you talk to him man laughing having a good time yeah. you know those are the kind of people i like to have on my shows and I, I i try not to have a lot of drama you know i just want to have fun that's i was young and dumb and i just want to have fun and you know i trust what people say like Vinny and all those guys because they've been around before me and and I, I think we created good uh good tv so to speak you know tell us about some of your experiences while you were uh, uh promoting for cwa you also branched out and got started getting booked in norcal uh at places like big time wrestling and supreme pro wrestling up in sacramento so tell us about your experiences there Oh yeah, man. Those, those are some fun times. Uh, I, I, I love NorCal like wrestling. I, I, I used to, another company besides them that I used to really like, actually I want to say I started really at them as well as PCW with, with MPT and Schizo, man, the very first show I did with them. Uh, so many people thought I was Gangrel back in the day, you know, so, but it was funny, but I just remember it was the show 
that I think Rick Luxury, uh, I don't remember who was all in it, but they went through the went through the ring. Did you ever hear about that one? No, no, no. Yeah, they they went off a twenty foot ladder, twelve foot ladder, whatever it is, and they did a move and it went through the ring. It was it was my it was up in. Um, but anyway, PCW SPW is really super cool. Uh, shoot, man, I was I remember I was there before Sir Samurai was even a wrestler. Mm-hmm. he was a ring announcer he was a uh, ring my announcer, biggest yeah. feud yeah my biggest feud back then back in the day was um in spw me and adam thornstow had a lot of matches against each other like we were feuding a lot like uh like i don't know if we did iron 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 man matches whatever but i know we had a lot of matches together i know that was a huge feud um i remember i went up there funny story i wrestled b-boy uh up there one-on-one no i'm sorry i wrestled cholo one-on-one up there at spw i remember i think you mentioned on, on something and uh it was funny because I always hear about B-Boy's kicks to his back, you know, his kicks to his back are stiff as hell. And, you know, I was like, okay, well, I guess I, I, th- I remember, I thought I was going to wrestle them together, but it ended up being just Cholo and B-Boy managed him. So they set up a goddamn angle to throw me out of the ring. So B-Boy can get his <laughs> kick in me, you know, what's the point to that? Right. He would say, they set it up to give me that goddamn kick in the outside of the ring, you know? So, it was, it is what it is, but it was, you know, it was, I mean, SPW is super cool. BTW, Kurt White, Kurt, Kirk White's been in, been there and done that. You know, the guy, you know, I know he's got a lot of heat uh, over the years, but I mean, uh, he has a really solid company, he brings in a lot of stars and it gives a lot of people opportunities to work people that they normally wouldn't be able to work. And let's be honest, he draws the best crowds in the world. I mean, in the California scene, for the most part. Uh, APW's up there now, of course, but I mean, Kirk's been constant ever since I've been around 20 years, you know, so BTW is a great place. You know, I, I really have no negative on anything nor- in Northern California. Everybody was super cool with me and, uh, you know, even Gold Rush, you know, Gold Rush is, I know, but not back in the day, but I mean, just all those guys, you know, I mean, they all have great companies and, and they're all still around. Go figure. You You know which ones are doing it right if they're still around. And that's right. just how it works usually, you know, and, I mean, and, and, you know, other people have different, they go different av- avenues in life, which makes complete sense. But you could tell the ones that back in the day, you know, you could tell which ones were going to stay around, you know, guys like Kirk White and, and even PCW and SPW and, and, uh, you know, BTW you know, everybody, you know, so uh, right. I, I can't remember. There's so many the thing about NorCal. They had so many flash in the pan promotions back in the day, which, you know, that they have a thing called a bump card, obviously, and um, a lot of people uh, are overdoing their bump card nowadays, but but the mm-hmm. bump card, you know, I always wish somebody's flashing the pan promotions. I probably wish I'd, I got a lot of experience. And I got to work with a lot of big names, some of these places, but I kind of wish I would have not done those shows because then my bump card wouldn't be so full for a flashing pan promotion. It's not going to be around, you know. That's the only regret, I guess, uh, you know, when it comes to something like that for Norco Wrestling, you know, or SoCal, so. Right. So now let's talk about the uh, partnership with APW and how that how that went down because after the after APW split uh, and Pro Wrestling Iron started um, APW started to branch out to different areas. One was Central Coast, so they had APW. I think I think they did like APW SF, APW Central Coast, and then APW LA, right? Yeah, actually they had four actually. So they had APW San Francisco, uh, Central Valley, Central Coast, and LA. Now, Central Valley didn't last as long, but it was actually ran out of that fat catch back in the day. And oh, um, okay, yeah. it was a cool little, yeah, and there was a cool some, I mean, I got to wrestle Scott Lost in one of those matches and a few, I mean, I always had really cool matches. Uh, I think a guy named Mike Daniel, 
and a Dave Touchstone, I think. They were two guys that tried to set it up for Central Valley, but they were real new and promoting. So, um, and then Henry Luna for LA, you know, and, and so how it came about is I know that they wanted, I was working with Gabe and I started wrestling for APW regularly and um, they wanted to do some kind of um, territories, you know, so, and, you know, who knows if that was kind of trying to get back at iron, who knows with what they were thinking and what they were even telling me to be fair, you know, uh, I know me and Roland at the time we got along, but you know, we didn't get a uh, Gabe and them had more of the say so back in the day. So, um, we would just do APW, like I said, all four different brands, and and they knew we were regularly. And me being a, a smaller end promotion, APW is one of the companies I remember when you were talking about indie wrestling in the beginning of this. So uh, us joining APW, I thought was a step in the right direction because we were just going to stay at this level and we're going to work above. You know, that's that was my vision as a promoter. It's only going to help us and not you know, uh, make us, make us go farther down. And, and, and it did, we got it. We brought in a lot of, uh, talent. You know, I, I know you, you mentioned the Ballers and SATs and then all of a sudden end up being B-Boy and, and Vic Grimes and James Troy and Jardy France. And also Melissa Anderson had to get a dive in there somewhere, I guess, you know, Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I remember that match had a uh, super dragon and, uh, and, uh, Brian XL was supposed to be Maze and red, but Maze and red got injured. So we had to bring in XL, but, uh, that was our very first show as APW Central Coast, by the way. So we wanted to kick it off with a big, with a big time feel, so to speak. Um, the thing about that show, it was cool, man. Don't get me wrong. I mean, APW Central Coast, it, it, it went as well as it could. Uh, we had our own champions. We did whatever we could. Uh, Super Dragon was cool. Uh, people talk so much, so so great about Super Dragon and and whatever. I personally, the guy, I never liked the guy. He was a dick to me the whole time I've ever had him. He's a dick to me. Um, he was, he was a dick all the time until he got confronted. I confronted the guy and he, he wanted to, uh, he wanted to call the cops on me, go figure tough guy, isn't he? <laughs> but, uh, we, we had him in that match. And the funny thing is I, that was supposed to be our first match at APW. And you've got a guy named Brian XL and all you have super dragon. So it's be two of the top guys, Brian XL. Maybe, I don't know if he's a top guy, but he was just like amazing red basically, you know? And then I asked, I wanted a really good match. And what did he go do? He go out there and he like, basically, uh, did a submission match in a crowd that's like, doesn't know anything about Matt wrestling and whatever, you know? And, and I remember he, he won with a submission. He worked the leg or whatever it was the whole match and, and basically killed the vibe of the crowd, you know? And he, and I think he did it on purpose and it is what it is. You know how that goes. Yeah. Uh, but it was a good way to start the show. I mean, we had good names. I don't, I'm not knocking any of these guys anymore. You know, I, I forgive and forget. I don't really, you know, at this point, uh, it's a great thing, and uh, it kicked off real well. And APW, I don't know how long that actually lasted. We just eventually just kind of stopped calling ter- the names again and just went back to APW eventually is what happened. So then um, uh, Gabe Ramirez split from APW to start Pro Wrestling Revolution, and I know uh, I believe you had a role in, in Revolution as well. Uh, what was your role uh, when Pro Wrestling Revolution started? Oh, yeah, yeah. So basically, when we were, that's what I was saying. So we went from APW Central Coast to back to APW, and then we started running against – we were running in Santa Maria, and we started running at the high school in Santa Maria High School. We were – the very first show at the high school, we drew 900 people, which is amazing, you know, for independent wrestling, for any kind of wrestling, really. And the funny thing is – a funny quick, like, few-second story is, they didn't even know we would draw up the Santa Maria high school. Cause that was not even including any students, the fans, they didn't help us. It was all like a, we rerented the building and whatnot. So there was no help from the school. Um, 
they didn't think we'd draw because they didn't see any advertisement. So they only brought so much food to sell to make money off the concession. And literally they were sold out before the first match because they didn't draw. They didn't think we'd draw. So they end up, you know, whatever. But we had about 900 people. It was an APW show. Uh, we had the we had the, the the Mexican minis, you know. We had, you know, Mascarita, uh, uh, was it Sagrada? It might have been Sagrada. Uh, no, no, it was Octagoncito and, and Peruth and stuff like that. I believe that might have been APW. I, I, I can't remember. But the point I'm making is as we booked our next show, again, me and Gabe started talking. And uh, eventually we, we decided we we're going to start another company and let APW do their thing up north and whatnot, and uh, more lucha based, so to speak, you know. And so our first match, as tentatively Revolution, I think if if I remember right, it was Eho Rey Mysterio versus one of the Border Patrol, and that was the main event. I, I can remember, but I just remember I wrestled Kazarian on the same show, and that was like my trainer, so it was like really cool to like, you know, one of the guys helped train me when I it was really super cool to have them one on one. And so then it was Mysterio. Border, uh, border patrol and we drew 1800 people now so now it's like whoa maybe this should be our own thing and not having too many uh you know not have too many chiefs not enough indians so to speak and so we end up uh starting our own thing it was me and gabe and i i think it was just me and gabe and we started revolution now he came up with the name and 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 whatever but it was it was based off our shows because yeah. they went so well if that if those went didn't go well, I don't think I don't know if he would start revolution. Who knows? It, it, so it's based off that. So what happened is, if you're drawing eighteen hundred people, you can only imagine how much money you made on the show. I mean, it, it was a decent amount of, mo- of money. And so then I remember we booked another show six months later, uh, and that was revolution, full on revolution. That was Border Patrol versus Ray Mysterio Senior and Ray Mysterio Ejo, which is Aaron. His name's Aaron, the, his legit son. And that was the main event. So basically for the tag titles, Revolution tag titles and Mysterio and them won. It's huge. You know, we had 2,200 people somewhere around there, you know. So this is, if it wasn't for Santa Maria and let's say my crowd, because it wasn't like um, I was here living here. I'm the one flyering, postering and and Gabe came down and and a couple other people. But it was was mostly, uh, it was a lot to do with my sponsors from locally and uh, and everything. We, We worked, we worked good together. On, and you know, because Gabe can do the flyers, the, the, he's a good graphic designer or whatnot. So anyway, we just um, the problem is we were only coming to San. Now we started running San Jose and and all the Oakland and all these different cities. Uh, Revolution was starting to get out there, which is great. And then he asked me, he's like, "Hey, do you want to run? You want to work with Dave Marquez?" I'm like, "Not really," <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> and he was like, "You know, he's like, well, let's check this out. He has this insurance policy where you can." all you have to do is join and you can get their insurance policy. If you join NWA and you only have to pay 125 a year or something a year. See what thing is, is that was a scam that David Marquez was putting out there. And I don't care if he knows because everybody knows about it. And if you don't know about it, you know, now, and, and I guess the insurance only worked if you only drew 150 or 125 or less. Well, we were drawing thousands <laughs> of people. So, you know, how do I didn't know that? I don't think Gabriel Ramirez knew that. So we were NWA for a while there. And then, uh, and then next thing, you know, I think that's why, you know, Oliver John was winning the NWA title. And I don't know if he actually won it, but I know he had it and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. eventually, Revolution, I told Gabe, I said, look, I have a school in town. In fact, I had a rev- school that was Revolution School. And I said, I got to, um, you know, I got to run shows because I got all these students and I can't just sit there and, you know, uh, wait every six months to run a show and, and you're more lucha based. Cause he had a, 
he had a set roster, so to speak, you know? Right. And so eventually I said, I'm going to have to start my own thing, you know, uh, and run shows. And I don't think he didn't like that. And actually my big falling out. And the only reason I'm, I'll mention the falling out with Gabe is because I, I sent him a message maybe two, three years ago and I felt like it was time. And so on father's day, I actually text him and told him, you know, happy father's day, you know, whatever. I tried to just, just in case, you know, you never know what happened right. nowadays. So, um, he responded and said the thing, same thing, and that's all. But I mean, the falling out over the over the thing is, I wanted to start Vendetta Pro Wrestling, so I, I end up. Um, so I told him, I said, I got to start something so I could run more regularly. And so I started it, and he, I don't know if he just didn't want me to start it because he wanted me to focus on Revolution, or if that was going to take away from running Revolution in Santa Maria. I don't know, but we started running some more Revolution, and it just slowly kind of boil it over to the fact where one time I, I was, we bought a trailer together and it was stored at my venue or at my gym. And next thing you know, he called me and asked me for the trailer. And I, and the whole agreement was for me to have the trailer is the fact that I was going to use it to go to do my shows as well. So I didn't have to rent a, tr a truck or whatever, whatever. Right. We called me out of the, out of the blue and told me he wanted the trailer because his parents had a trailer that broke down and they need that trailer trailer. I said, well, am I going to get it back? And you couldn't like promise me I'm getting it back or anything. Well, what about my shows? Like, it was almost like, screw your shows. I need for my show. And, mm -hmm. and then eventually, and then I'm like, I talked to his wife and next thing you know, he called me and literally started cussing at me, threatening me, calling me names, talking major crap to me. I'm like, over, are you, are you serious? Like all, all the stuff that we've done over the years and you're going to, that's how we're ending things. And literally we didn't talk for, for, eight years, 10 years, whatever it is, you know, until I text him, but I didn't talk to him, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, but you know, it is what it, cause we ran the shows in, uh, if you, I, I was going to talk about that on her too. We ran those shows at call for alley club too, you know, uh, together, you know, we were, those are part of revolution, which were pretty much our shows, you know, together, you know, so. so. Staying in the, in the, uh, theme of Lucha Libre, uh, you did get an opportunity to, to work in Mexico and, uh, tell us about that opportunity and any other opportunity you had in, uh, to work internationally. Uh, besides oh mexico. yeah Mex oh mexico was super cool man the first time i wrestled in mexico uh, uh i'm trying to think the first first time was uh first time i got to work in monterey mexico and that was super cool they flew us down uh this is goes to some of these young guys that you know start at a school they should realize they never bite the hand to feed you or whatever you want you know don't knock the people that brought you into the business like my my jesse hernandez you know I always put over Jesse Hernandez because uh, he's what's right about the business, in my opinion. Um, he needed some guys. He gave me a call. You want to work in Monterey? Well, of course, you know. And um, he flew me down. This is when I was doing the vampire thing still. He flew. I got flown down to Monterey. Uh, it was a nightmare. When I see by a nightmare, as in me and Gangrel sitting in the airport for six hours for some reason. We don't know why, you know. Uh, and then we get to our hotel and then we got to our hotel and we had to go straight to the building. Actually, I don't even know. If we, no, no, I'm sorry. We didn't go to the hotel. We got straight to the building and we had to get out, get dressed, go right straight to our match. Uh, I don't get it why, but we did. <laughs> uh, and let me just tell you, it wasn't, a, a, it was a huge, huge show. So like you had mystical and I just remember mystical being there. I remember Haku was there for some reason. It was America versus uh, Mexico kind of show. So mm -hmm. it was me, uh, Gangrel and Joey Mercury versus um, La Parca, Dos Carols Jr., which is Alberto Del Rio, and Marco Colioni. That's a huge match, you know? Those three are huge names in Mexico. So we're yeah. like, 
to me, I'm over here, you know, cause I'm the only guy in this whole crew. That's kind of like, like really don't have any TV. So I'm like, man, this is huge for me. You know, this is a sold out arena. And uh, it was crazy. The match went well, except for like uh, La Parca was super funny because he was, he was, I think he was smoking weed and smoking the cigarettes inside a little prayer area in the arena where you go to pray. It was weird, you know, but we, when we got to did the match, it was super cool. So during a match, I'm supposed to take La Parca's finisher, which the finisher is not the, not hard taking the finisher. It's a fact that him and Gangrel had a miscommunication Gangrel, funny story, Gangrel thought he said to rip his mask. In Mexico, that's huge to start ripping masks. So he's ripping his mask. If you've ever seen Gangrel, he's very intense. And and all of a sudden, La Parca got pissed because I don't think that's what he meant to say. And so he went. He came in with a chair, and Gangrel got a chair, and they were starting to go at it with chairs. And me and Dos Carlos, uh, Alberto, we're on the outside, and he speaks English. So he's like, hey, uh, I said, I don't know what the fuck is going on right now. I said, I'm supposed to go in and take a finisher from La Parca, but I'm not going in there. I don't know what's going on, you know? And so I didn't, I, we, I, I missed my spot, so to speak, because I didn't want to go in there because they were going off each other. I don't know what was going on, you know? Everybody was fine after and all that, you know, with some cervezas and, and whatever. But that was a huge, you know? And, and then, so, yeah, Monterey was really, that was the biggest part of me, biggest time in Mexico. I did do the, um, I did obviously, I went to um, uh, Mexicali, was super cool. We did two shows that day, one on the other side of the border, and then Mexicali came in and, it was me and, and Richie Slade. By the way, check out Richie Slade. Super guy, super great wrestler, up and coming wrestler. Um, and we wrestled two other guys um, from California as well. Uh, it was supposed to be Fidal, Bravo, and uh, and um, the Sasha Derevko, but then somebody got hurt, so we switched out. But it was crazy. We did the tag match, and I never had money thrown in the ring, and they were throwing money and stuff, which is kind of cool, you know. Uh, yeah. I heard that's a great compliment, right? So then. Uh, that was cool. Then I got to do Mexico, uh, of course, Tijuana at the auditorium. And I got to stand in that tunnel, which is super cool, you know. So, you know, uh, I know that in the matches, me, I teamed up with Ray Horace, which was he was doing the Mysterio gimmick at the time. And then we, uh, Tony Casanova, and we went against a guy named Black Abyss and a guy named, uh, there was three guys and uh, a Spectro. And then is it Spectro? Does that sound right? Is that the one with the green mask green and the wig? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Spectra, I think, passed away, I think, not too long ago, yeah. about a year or two ago. And then one more guy, I just remember the third guy, but it was cool because they called me, like, it was weird. They didn't have my name. They called me, like, the Rocker of Love. It was weird. They didn't even have Billy Play. <laughs> they had, like, the Rockero of Amor or something like that. It was kind of weird, you know. <laughs> but but then that was, you know, that was throughout my career. But I, I'd say 95 was my first time hitting overseas. We went to Japan. And I got to tour Japan with um, Nathan Rules back in the day. Nathaniel Sweet. Uh-oh. Let's see if people remember APW, that one. But Nathan. APW, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that was super cool. Got to work with some guys like uh, uh, Asian Cougar and and uh, Asian Condor and, and, and all kinds of like uh, – what was the guy? Uh, Chapa Pipi. Uh, uh, oh, man, uh, I can't remember. The manager from Kind Tai, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was there, and he was super cool. The first couple shows, and uh, Sumi Sakai was came to our shows. I mean, it was it was a who's who when we were uh, down there, and that was super cool. Never experienced in Japan, you know. Then we did um, Portugal was super cool. I, I got to tour Portugal, and it was crazy because me and Derek Sanders, APW, um, we wrestled each other in a mask. He did like a um, uh, an American gimmick, mask gimmick, and I did a lucha gimmick, and we wrestled each other one on one every show in Portugal. 
and then and then later wrestled guys in our without our masks. So then I got to work because I had a little bit more lucha experience than the other guys. I was working at La Ijo Rey Mysterio uh, uh, three out of four nights, which I wasn't supposed to. So I had the tour had like Balls Mahoney, Big Vito, Mysterio. Uh, uh, it had the luchadors at Masquerita, uh, Dorada, and uh, Peruth on the show. And uh, it was just, it was, every tour was so special. But I'll get to the last one right now. Give me one second. Um, yeah, this no tour in Portugal, Mysterio was super over. I mean, this they they thought that was Ray Mysterio, you know, but this it was a uh, e-hole Ray Mysterio because in the advertising it had the little e-hole. Of course, you know didn't. you can't see. <laughs> yeah, of course, and it was awesome because like it was cool for us. And and the f- cool thing, Portugal, it was super cool. The very first show was we stayed in a hotel and it was like all the the beach and you had the. Um, you had the uh, water park that was like connected to the beach. And I remember one little quick story, me and uh, Mysterio went onto the beach and you got Peruth and Mascarita Dorada or Mascarita uh, or Terrell Torita, they call them now. They're on the beach trying to show off and they have their, their fanny packs on in their thong <laughs> underwear only trying to get, you know, walk around. Kind of remind me of that, uh, of the, uh, was the Matt Wolf Harrell and them, the uh, night at Roxbury where they're walking on the yeah, beach. Yeah, yeah. It was hilarious. <laughs> And then eventually, uh, eventually they end up, uh, uh, anyway, Mysterio was so over there, man. They had pyro and everything. I just remember that was my first show and I was the main event. And, and all of a sudden I'd come out there and I put my jacket down, a really nice jacket and the fans stole it. I remember that, but all of a sudden here comes Mysterio and all of a sudden, Oh, boom, boom, all this pyro, you know, we're like, Whoa, <laughs> you know? And, uh, anyway, that was super cool. And I did that. We did that every night. Uh, and in the very last night, we got to wrestle in front of the president and vice president of the country uh, where we're at in Portugal. And, and that was super cool, you know, even though I didn't know who they were or whatever. And I did two yeah, yeah. characters every night. So it was, you know, Balls Mahoney was on a tour. He was super cool. I'll tell you a real quick rib on that one. He told me, uh, you know, my balls was not real happy with the promoter because he couldn't get his prescription pills across the border. So his pain pills. So he had to go to a hospital to get him. He had a fake injury to go get him. He kept getting him and he was getting fined because he was crushing the pills, you know, on the table and stuff and, and uh, taking them or whatever, you know, cause they make him more strong, I guess. But uh, he, he, the rib, the rib he pulled on me is my hair. He wanted, he was so mad as a promoter that he's just going to break the ring tonight. And he wants me to gig him. He says, Oh, what I want you to do is take these scissors. I'm going to act like I'm going to cut your hair. And I want you to take them and drive them in my head. I'm like, Oh shit, man! And and, and <laughs> a funny thing, I've never gigged ever, you know. And I'm, I, I'm now I have to gig somebody. I'm so scared, you know. I don't know what to do. We get out there, and right before we're about to go out, I asked him multiple times, "Hey, man, so you, are you telling me you want me to take the scissors and actually like gag?" You know, he's like, he's like, yeah, yeah. And then so I'm like, oh man, you know. Uh, funny story is he was just ribbing me because then he finally told me, you know, right before we're going out, hey, no, I don't want you to really gig me that way. I just was joking with you. Man, I was thought I was going to stab a guy. You know? <laughs> You're already Portugal, practicing you know? that side. <laughs> yeah, 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 because he wanted me to actually, I thought, you know. So it was crazy, but the last tour, uh, the one big tour we did, I mean, I've wrestled all over the United States, which is cool, but the biggest tour I finally were on was me, me and Caden got picked to go on the, uh, the Hulk Hogan Australian tour, uh, which was super cool because it was first time Hogan was ever in Australia. So that was 2009, and that was like that was a legendary tour, you know. Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair every night. It was uh, it was me and Caden versus. It was supposed to be set up for us versus the Nasty Boys. You had 
You had uh, Umaga's last tour before he passed away four days later. Ken Anderson, Shannon Moore, uh, Matt Cross, Brutus Beefcake. That Sparky Ballard got his hair cut uh, from Brutus Beefcake, that tour, you know. Uh, and he reffed. And then, uh, I mean, w- w- it was all kinds of people, man. It was such a good tour, you know. Uh, John Heidenreich, of all people, you know. Heidenreich was cool. And Australia was super cool, man. They treat us. We were five-star hotels. Hogan and all those guys, I mean, it was super cool to be around. Uh, Rick Flair, last funny story is uh, me and Caden wake up every night. We'd, we'd wake up late because it was a party every night because Orlando Jordan was there too. And it was just a party, you know. Next thing you know, we wake up one morning. It was the last day of tour. Uh, we were done with the shows. And we woke up and I, um, there's more tour, but, you know, we don't have as much time. But we woke up, me and Caden would come out. There's a bar and there's nothing but Bloody Marys across the bar. Like, I'm like, what is going on? It was, uh, it was Ric Flair been up since eight in the morning and he's buying everybody drinks. Those are 25 bucks a pop, you know? So we're like, Holy crap. Like, you know, and so of course we drink one, you know, you have to, it's Ric Flair, you know? And right, next right. thing you know, it's time for us to go. Cause the first group of people are leaving and we're on a tour bus and we get on the tour bus and, uh, all of a sudden, next thing you know, uh, we're on the bus and here comes Rick Flair drunk, you know? And he comes in on the bus and he's like, you know what? I want to let you guys know this is the best tour I've ever been on in my life. And I was like, wow, that meant a lot, you know, because yeah. uh, it was put in Jim, you know, because Jimmy Hart was on the tour, too. And it was set up the shitty thing about the whole thing. It was all set up for the last show, which was in Sydney. And it was filmed for a big broadcast special it was going to happen on national TV. And it got filmed. So this whole setup, you can actually look online, Rock of Love. Uh, nasty boys talk about the rock life. It was all set up, even though we had other shows. This one last show is gonna and uh, is us versus nasty boys in a street fight, and is all kinds everything basically the biggest matches were at night. They filmed it, and I guess they owed Hulk Hogan money, and so the company went bankrupt and it never got released because Hogan wouldn't let them release the TV show. So no footage is out there online except for what you see from fan camp footage. So, so speaking of rock of love, how did, how did the transition go from the tag team? Uh, immortal fear to to rock of love it was at apw right uh you know what i i don't know that it was apw uh i'll tell you actually what happened is we were just trying to get away from the whole uh vampire gangrel thing i mean i uh, you know i know we'll talk about that i'm sure but like um with me and kaden like you know it's kind of ran this course i mean it, it was me and kaden and then we we you know we went singles and eventually i started team up with gangrel uh, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that, which Gangrel teamed up. That also met Mike Rain, came in the picture. So it was me and Mike Rain for a while there, Bloodline. And then Gangrel would come in when he could and whatnot. Um, we were at Mike Rain's shows because I, I, I wanted to also put over, you know, even North American wrestling, uh, you know, all kinds of places like, you know, BTW, SBW, SoCal Pro Wrestling, you know, Pro Wrestling Bushido, NAW, and all those guys. I mean, in fact, PCW, like I said, I used to team up with Sarah Del Rey of all people was my tag team partner there, you know. But uh, NEW was, had a lot of up-and-coming wrestlers, too. And um, we thought about coming out with different characters, me and Kaden. So we were going to call ourselves Viva La Rock, like Viva La Bam. Mm-hmm. And what we were going to do, we were going to come out and do prank stuff, because I thought we were real creative at that point, where we could come up with cool tag team maneuvers that included, like, pranks and slipping on a bananas and just stuff like that, you know? And we were real creative at that point as a team. And uh, we went to uh, NEW in Fresno and we called ourselves Viva La Rock and came out and, all, and I had the flashy shirt and I had the, I don't remember, I think I wore a bandana with my hair out and whatnot. And all of a sudden people started calling, up the, calling us as a rib, the cock of love. 
<laughs> I don't even know why, because you know, because that show is real popular. You know, the Rock of Love was real popular. They started calling us Cock of Love. So the very next show, me and Caden came out. I straightened my hair like Brent Michaels. He came out with drumsticks. We had shiny shirt, bandana, shiny shirts, bandanas. And all of a sudden, we got on the microphone and we turned it on him and basically told him, hey, you know, you guys asked for it. Here's the rock of love. And then we started like coming out with poison music. And it's crazy how full circle things come because now fast forward to 2021 and I'm best friends with Big John, who's uh, Brett, Brett Michaels, head of security and rock of love. You know, he was on that TV show and Sean, Sean Casey, who's best friends with John. It's just a way for a full circle, you know, and it started out like that. And it was more of a rib on the fans and they hated it because they kind of set it up, you know, and then them calling us cock of love is nothing but heat for us. <laughs> and so we got to work a bunch of tag teams over those years, you know, like Reno scum. And I mean, all the tag, great tag teams, you know, Vinny and big ugly, you know, I mean, we, we worked all the best tag teams in the world and, uh, or at least in California. And, um, you know, we're thankful for it. Cause I think rock of love kind of like gave us a fresh breath air. Like and it was, it was real current. We had backstage passes, a, a story about, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Modesto. We did a, a thing where we do a, um, a promo and we have the backstage passes. If you get backstage pass, you get to come backstage a party with us. And we invited a girl in the, in the ring and, and about to put it overhead and just let her know that there's a weight limit to be in the rock of love and you do not qualify your way overweight. And she actually oh, chased oh, us shit. to the back and, and nobody even stopped her. So she fought, chased us all the way through the fat cats to the outside in the parking lot. Finally, people are like, Hey, you're not supposed to be chasing them. You know, it was like, <laughs> so it was cool, man. I, we love the gimmick. I mean, we, we did that for years and it was great. We got to wrestle all over, you know, all over, uh, all over, you know, and, and Australia was a, just a top off. And, and really, I think Knox pro, you know, I mean, give it up to Knox pro as well, even though, you know, we don't, I don't really talk to him anymore, but like rock, I mean, a lot of my students kind of, we got asked by Gangrel to kind of, and, and others and we're teaching on them to help their wrestlers out because they were just coming up, up and coming, you know, guys like Rusev and, and guys like they, they were all coming up, up and coming and they needed people to, to work with. And we, at that point have been around for about 10 years, you know, whatever, you know, so they knew they could trust me and Caden and Tsunami and, you know, uh, any guy, I mean, I, I brought all the, you know, APW guys, we talked about bringing all the APW down and, uh, it was cool, man. We got a lot of people, Jody Christopherson started working there. Marcus started coming down to manage and he brought all the guys and eventually just, we all started working together, you know, eventually, you know? Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's awesome, man. Uh, now let's talk about, let's talk about bloodline. Let's talk about you tagged tagging with Gangrel. Well, yeah, Gangrel was super cool. I mean, you know, over the years, you know, uh, when I first started, like I said, I did the vampire thing. I really so much wasn't even focused on gang. I was just such a vampire fan. And I didn't know, you know, I didn't, you know, I was just doing my own thing really. But then all of a sudden people started saying, I look like gang So I'm like, Oh, wow. Yeah. So I started eventually working more like wearing a puffy shirt and, you know, and, and when me and Caden watched start going singles, uh, I thought to myself, if I'm going to like uh, be like his character, so to speak, then I obviously need to team up with him or I need to do something. Cause it's not really fair to his character. I know, you know, I mean, I know people get flattered by, you know, what they say, uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. But I thought that if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have to have him with me. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Cause so one of the first shows in Lompoc, we teamed up and I think you have footed that, but we teamed up and I don't remember who we went up against, but Luna Vachon, uh, 
managed us, I think. Uh, no, 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 I'm sorry. I wrestled Kate, and I think she wrestled uh, – he wrestled Bo Cooper, and Luna teamed up with Go- and something like that. But um, when Luna seen us together – but I, oh, I'm sorry, it was in the Pomo, but it was – we teamed up. I think it was Vinny and Vic or something. I don't remember. Uh, but one, I one, definitely... one match I do have is you and Caden against uh, – I'm sorry, you and Gangrel against the Ballard Brothers, I want to say. I think oh, that was... that's what it was. And so the ripped shirt. Yeah. That's right. The ripped yeah. shirt. So <laughs> G- David, you know, Gangrel had to buy all his own shirts. Even in WWE, he had to buy his own shirts. And he just bought a shirt and was – yeah, you're right. It was me and Gangrel versus the Ballards. And – um and they went, he, he uses, he sweats a lot, but he also wets himself with his hair, you know, and uh, sprays himself down. And he, they went to grab his, grab his back and ripped his shirt. He was so pissed about his shirt. And I bet you to this day, he still brings it up. I would assume. And, uh, uh, but yeah, so we started teaming and Luna, according to David Luna. Oh, here's a funny story. So the flyer has me and a girl named Rio storm. And Gangrel and Rio Storm was our manager, and she was this buff, gothic-looking girl from Ultimate Pro Wrestling, and and we matched real well, and she was real buff, you know, and really cool chick. And she ended up, um, David ended up Gangrel ended up taking a flyer home, and it had us three in the photo in the corner of the flyer. And Luna got so pissed at him <laughs> because she thought, because she thought, oh no, I'm sorry, it wasn't me and him. Gangrel was in the middle here. It was me and Luna, uh, me and that Rio in the corner. It was just me and her. And he took that home. She took that home. I'm sorry. Gangrel took it home and she got pissed because she thought that was him <laughs> with Rio. And then when she realized it wasn't him, she, she got pissed and like basically told him, I was like, you guys need to be a team. You guys look that much alike, you know? So like, Oh, well. And so we just started teaming up from that point forward all over and uh, whenever he could, you know, cause I mean, I still have to bring the guy in and all that and money wise and booking wise right. and whatnot, you know, if it made sense and dollars and cents. So, you know, and, and, and I learned a lot. I mean, it was great to have him as a team. I mean, I, I personally think we could have been on TV. I just think we had a lot of, uh, there was a lot of stuff going on with his name, Gangrel, that he, he didn't own the name as white wolf and WWE had a contract with white wolf and it ended and they didn't want to pay the millions of dollars to get the name back. Cause he, that's why they didn't bring him back right away you know and so mm-hmm. eventually the white but so when i would go backstage because when i first started i got a trial me and Caden got a trial with tom pritchard with jesse hernandez and bakersfield at the dome and and it went it went decent but i would i try to get spots in i didn't know any better back in the day so i just did spot fest spot fest you know me and Caden and and um can grow i th- we would have i think we could have easily been on tv there's no doubt like the vampire thing was so uh i guess ahead of its time and um, when he right. came out and then when Kevin Thorne started going on TV, I know they were talking about bringing him in and uh, who knows about me, maybe me. I mean, it was, they want to do a group of vampires and it just ended up falling over. In fact, fallen, they just ended up doing, uh, was it Kevin Thorne and uh, Ariel, but Gangrel was under contract at deep South uh, or well, WWE uh, contract, but he would come up to deep South every week. So when I, I would go backstage for WWE, they wouldn't even use me as extras, even though I'd get there and get paid and enjoy their great catering. Uh, I, they would never use me because I look so much like him and they don't want the, the you know, stuff going on with uh, the white wolf. So, um, or the fans being confused because they were doing angles with the undertaker at one point, undertaker and viscera were, uh, I'm sorry, Gangrel and viscera were going to jump undertaker and they don't want to ruin that. There's a lot of little reasons, but then we end up doing the, um, 
Deep South. So I, my dad, that's when me and Mike Rain started touring the East Coast and whatever. And eventually we end up um, doing. Uh, I, I was going to go to Deep South, so I went down there, and they were they had me and Gangrel scheduled to wrestle Henry Godwin and Ray Gordy, which is um, Terry Gordy's son, and I forgot Festus and Jesse. Eventually, being Jesse on tag team wrestling, and they wanted to try out the new Godwins. So they were going to be the new Godwins against me and Gangrel. I was like, oh, here's a good chance for me. Last minute, they switched it up and they teamed me up with a guy named Bully Bully Douglas, and they put Gangrel, Kofi Kingston, and Gangrel was called Crazy Dave then because they kind of used a name. So bottom line is, so I got, I went to go relocate because um, Deep South was super cool. They, I didn't have to be under contract to be there. So like I, I, I had a great time training there and whatnot. And I told him, I said, well, I'm going to have to go to California and then relocate. So I called Jody Hamilton, which is the owner at the time. And, and I called him, I said, look, I'm looking to relocate the next week or two. if That's cool. And he's like, you know what? It's not a good time. And next thing you know, the next day or two, you see online that they came in and sweeped out deep south and they all wwe affiliation was gone within a day or two so there was my luck again you know uh but the whole bloodline thing like i said it was super cool to have you know the experience of gangrel because he was one of those guys that were respected from the veterans to the guys coming up you know yeah. and, um unfortunately we had a fallen out you know uh hopefully you know maybe nothing nothing happens between me or him like you know hopefully we'll build a mend the men mend whatever's you know the falling out and uh, we'll see what happens but uh he has a cool wrestling school now in florida i know it's going real well uh good for him and uh the guy's a legend i mean i mean the guy although he's maybe never going to hall of fame or anything like that the guy is a legend in my in my opinion and best music best entrance yeah. of all time in my opinion so talk to us about uh vendetta and then talk about not being a part of Vendetta anymore and then pro wrestling on point. <laughs> uh, yeah. So like Vendetta basically started out, like I said, with Gabe, uh, I just needed to do something. And I know he didn't want to do the revolution because, you know, he wanted more Lucha. So I was like, you know what? Funny story about the Vendetta pro name. I didn't really, um, I didn't come up with a name actually. Brandon Bonham did. If you remember Brandon Bonham, uh, he, he was living in Santa Maria and was training at our school, even though he's from like Minnesota or somewhere around there. Um, he was, he worked at a TV studio that was in my place called cafe FX in Santa Maria. It was a really cool movie, uh, productions company. And, um, he's like, man, you know, one, one of these days I want to do vendetta pro wrestling. Uh, I was like, I love that name, man. He's like, yeah, I want, that's the name I said. And then, so I kind of came up, uh, he, I asked him if I could use it. He's like, yeah, I'm never going to use it. I just like the name. I'm like, Oh, cool. You know? So I just started using it, started doing a V for vendetta, like the movie and mm -hmm. all that. So I thought that was kind of cool. And, our very first show, it was a great show. It was unfortunately the the day we ran it, we booked months in advance, July 11th, 2009. It, the main event was to crown a new champion and whatever. But we had guys like Eugene and and Gangrel and 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 um, we had Matt Birch from the Operation Repo show, you know, as the commissioner and you know, and we had a few. Uh, we had the Cutler brothers and we had. I mean, we had a lot of cool, Ramus, I mean, Jody Christofferson actually debuted that night, never wrestled, didn't want to use the Christofferson name. So we wanted to give him something, let him be, be his own character because he didn't want to use it. So we called him Jody Ray and Carmiro, which is Ricardo Rodriguez. And of course, Kid Omega and uh, all those people, you know, and Caden. Uh, uh, and, you know, it was just super cool. You know, we had a lot of Christina Von Erie versus, uh, uh, I forgot her Ellen DeGeneres or something like that, which is uh, Nick, Nick Jackson's wife now, I think, you know, uh, 
super cool. And uh, that started out. Vendetta was just the uh, same thing as CWA. Man, we were Central Coast based, but man, we started getting booked in all over United, all over um, California. And uh, we're doing a lot of fair circuit shows. And uh, we had a lot of big names. And, and anyway, that 2009, I said, unfortunately, because that was the same night Brock Lesnar went for the UFC title first time uh heavyweight championship and won so we our crowd just wasn't where it was wanted to be what what i'm used to in santa maria so it took me a little while i thought about maybe not that first show was vendetta but then i'm over that time i had it i decided not to run vendetta because i'm like man that really that killed me you know <laughs> money wise you know i'm not used to being that small of a crowd i mean it was 100 some people which is might not be small in indies but it was small for me you know so mm-hmm. I waited, and then at that time, I used to work at a company in the East Coast right before Vendetta. It was called Pro Wrestling Unplugged. It was ran by Todd Gordon from ECW, and I mean, legend and guys like the Backseat Boys and and Devin Moore, and and I mean Teddy Fine, and you know all these guys, you know Gary Wolf, and I mean the ICP were huge part of Pro Wrestling Unplugged, and so uh, they wanted and Corporal Robinsons and all these guys. They wanted uh, so I was working there with Gangrel as the bloodline, as well as um, Mike Rain. We got to work at, at the ECW arena and stuff. And I love the name Pro Wrestling Unplugged. And, and so I was going to do Pro Wrestling Unplugged West Coast and, uh, and forget about the Vendetta name. And then they folded. So then I came back with – and so I actually had to battle the vampires that would never happen. It was going to be Kevin Thorne versus Gangrel. You know, and Ariel was going to come out with, uh, I think, yeah, I think she was not under contract. Then they were going to come out together. It was going to be a cool battle of vampires just because I was a mark for vampires, you know. And uh, I have a flyer for it, everything never happened. Anyway, so we ended up going back to Vendetta. That started January 2000 and I'm sorry, uh, uh, January 2010. And we started working with Knox Pro. So Rikishi and all these guys were involved. And uh, we were using a lot of their students and our students, and we'd mix it up with guys like Brian Cage and Rick Luxury, Brian and Bonham. And, you know, we, we worked with a lot of Jim Nyhart. I think that show we had Jim Nyhart on the show with Bobby Hart against me and Caden, you know, either that show or the next show. But, yeah, we were running at the Radisson Hotel, man. It was We were drawing sell, uh, two, 300 people every show, and that was what, what all the fits. It wasn't like, you know, it was a great crowd and you know, you've been to our shows in Santa Maria. They're very, they're, they're really, they're real wrestling fans. You know, I think that, you know, they'll go home and, you know, they'll remember Billy Blade or Katie and Anthony, or, you know, the fact that they got to watch us wrestle, you know, or uh, against the Hart Foundation. They called them the Hart uh, Dine, or they didn't call, I forgot what they called them, but, you know, um, mm-hmm. but it was cool, you know, and so they'll remember that. So over the years, Vendetta just built steam, built steam and started building up. And I, I think we, we end up joining NWA and, we ended up being one of the top companies in NWA. I want to say uh, uh, top two, three companies for sure that, that, that I guess represented NWA, you know, and uh, next thing I know, um, we also took over to call for alley. Uh, we started joining call for alley club. If you guys don't check it out, huge wrestling, um, uh, a wrestling non fundraising. I mean, they, you know, do a lot of uh, fundraisers and it's a non, I uh, can't even think of the words right now, but call for alley club nonprofit organization and i got the they run a reunion every year in vegas and and you never know who will be you know part of it and uh then i just i have a lot of uh soft spots for cac man they've done a lot for a lot of friends of mine and um they gave me the reins to run shows there every year in vegas to this day i'm still running shows there uh you, we got a call from mick foley right right when paul barrett died the wwe wasn't going to let him honor him so we got him on our he came to our show, cut a promo for Paul Bearer, and then went right to his red eye flight back to WWE, you know, and it's just stuff uh-huh. like that. And 
there were so many memories of Vendetta, but there's so many cool stuff. You know, a lot of the people came through our doors that are huge names now, you know, and, um, but over the years, you know, you, 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 you start getting students, you know, I started getting students, they started getting really good. And next thing you know, I had a fallen out with one of my students. Uh, he ended up, uh, getting really bad drunk on our show and it, it's kind of a public knowledge. And next thing you know, uh, he almost hurt a fan because they threw the ladder out of the ring because he was drunk and it came four inches from hitting a girl in the face. And, and so he quit, but you know, we were going to have to get rid of him anyway, just because try to fight me backstage. You know I mean? There's just so many stuff. Um, six months later, he decided to start his own company in my area, which, you know, that's not cool, especially an old, a student of mine and whatever. And, and so that was a rival. You can only imagine the same thing with APW yeah. up there and all that stuff. It was, yeah. you know, we've seen it. Uh, we're cool now with the reason I'm able to talk about this, but then unfortunately for with the circumstances with Vendetta, next thing you know, um, why they had their own promotion, they end up finding out that I didn't have my stuff uh, filed the way they that you're supposed to file because in this area for a business license, you you don't have to have a business license in my area with the type of business I had because I operate out of my house. So that's my business license and you don't have to have it in the county I live in. So I, I researched, I, I already knew all that, but they went and filed for a city and where I live is you got Santa Maria and you got, uh, you know, uh, we're right next to Santa Maria and there was, you know, so it doesn't matter. But the bottom line is the County, uh, where I live, you didn't have to have a license. They went and found this out and actually filed Vendetta as their name, mm. this company I'm talking about with an ex student of mine. Mm. Yeah. So they went and filed Vendetta. And I, the only reason I found out about it, cause you have to, you have to, you have to run an ad in the newspaper for a month. One of my students seen it. And I'm like, wow, really? So we're at this point now. So you can imagine that started a few cause they're trying to take claim for something. They had no, right. uh, you know, they had no, uh, invested in. And, and so that went on for a while there. And next thing you know, me and the guy, the gentleman, and I don't mind mentioning his name cause he's doing really well. Uh, and he's sober, by the way, like four or five. Since that happened, he's never drank, done drugs. And his name's Sledge. And, um, you know, he ended up, uh, and I'm proud of the guy for being sober. And, you know, he's, he's pursuing. He's in an ROH right now. And uh, you know what? He's, he's doing his thing. He quit the company that – so what I mean by quit is he quit being in charge of the company. He's just a wrestler. They – so I got I, – I held him – I reached out to Sledge and said, you know what? let's let's just kill the beef man i just i i hate the feeling you know and so we met secretly just me and him at a starbucks and literally hashed out for five hours at a heart at a starbucks and just you know we we laughed we cried we basically just worked things out so we all had a meeting all the wrestlers had a meeting together and we agreed that we're going to basically join forces, but you're going to run, they're going to run their company. We're going to run ours, but we're going to feud and make it a feud. And, and, and it's going to be good, you know, and, and it was good. And, and the only agreement, the agreement with that is they have to give me my name back because that's not cool. Right. So they all agreed. The, the dad that runs it, the, the son who, who, you know, they, the dad who's a lawyer did all this by the way. And then he, so the whole agreement was I was getting my name back and everybody in the meeting all was there. So it wasn't like it was just me and this guy. Right. Next thing you know, we did the feud for a year and it was a great feud, man. Sledge interfered in one of my matches and no one expected that because of the beef, you know, mm -hmm. and the heat that we had. And next thing you know, uh, we did a really good 
few for about a year. And this whole time I'm supposed to get my name back. And uh, I kept hitting the sun up and saying, Hey, he's part of the shows as well. Hey, when is that? When am I getting on my name? Uh, oh, my dad's working on it. And I don't know the process to be there. I didn't know, you know, how long it takes. And then he's like, Oh, it's good. You don't worry. He should have sent it already. I said, no, I haven't got it yet. He's like, Oh, okay. And then next thing you know, I run at those Radisson shows and, and he ends up, they end up calling me and saying, Hey, they, they had to, they end up calling me and say, Hey, we're going to be running at the Radisson. Cause I stopped running there for a few months because they wanted to out charge me an outrageous price. And then I'm like, so you're going to start running at the venue I run at just cause I haven't ran. And I think at that point I had to run a few months, you know, I'm like, and they want me to be involved. I said, that's kind of shitty, man. I'm not going to yeah. do that. But you know, since you guys, since you guys mentioned that, I, I do want to let you know that the day you guys are wanting me to join, I've been searching for other buildings and I found a building that's one mile from the Radisson on the same day you guys are going to run. And then just coincidentally, they had started a feud. And then next thing I know, the next thing you know, I, I said, okay, the, I'll, I'll move my date to that Friday before you, the show you're running at the Radisson. Cause I can't tell you, you can't run there, you know? And next thing you know, uh, that venue gets a cease and assist from them saying that they own the vendetta name. Yeah. I'm like, really? Wow. <laughs> so then I had to have a meeting I had to have a meeting with the, the dad and I'll tell you the people that I'll tell you this. Cause I don't mind telling people this. Cause I've told them that um, he had a meeting with me one-on-one -on -one inside of uh, Carl's junior in Santa Maria. And I remember we we're talking and he came in and one of the first things he said, I, the whole meeting was for us to agree for me to let me use the name. That's mine basically for that show, or I'd have to cancel or change all the advertising and this and that. So we agreed to something for that show to get the vendetta name, for, I mean, to use that name without any repercussions for that show. And then he gave me a contract to sign. I had to sign by the end of that weekend. And so I was going to call him and, oh, I'm sorry, the Monday after the show. And the contract says, if I talk about him and all your people on the show can't talk about him, a certain selected amount of people, uh, bad about him. There's all kinds of stipulations. If you stick to these you can have you can have the vendetta name back in nine months. It was it was basically base. It was gonna. It, what says that? You know what I mean? It was yeah. it was a bad contract. But what pissed me off about the whole meeting was the fact that he was telling me that he had me by the balls and he's happy about it and and screw. You know, basically, I'm like, really? I said that's how you do things. And by the way, the meeting wasn't only supposed to be with me and him. It was supposed to be other his guys, and they didn't show up. It was just me and him, and he knows nothing about wrestling. By the way. So here I am talking to a guy about wrestling that has no clue about wrestling. And he wants me to sign a contract that has no clue about, you know, this is this is a contract meant for me to fail, you know. But he wants – so anyway, that's what happened, and it was feuding, and it kept going. And eventually I had to publicly let people know what happened with the name. And next thing you know, we're in the middle of a lawsuit right now. He's suing me, my mom, and my girlfriend for 600000 because of a defamation of character when he's been defamating my character – this whole time for the last two years or whatever it is, you know? So yeah, oh, we're it just ridiculous. Yeah. So, so the bottom line is every time I'd put out a midget mania, we'll talk about that. I'm sure, but a, a micromania show presented by Vendetta Perutz and he would call the venue and let them know that he owns the Vendetta name to try to get a shutdown. And he did that to every venue that I tried to run at. So eventually I got to the point where, you know what? I can't, I can't risk losing my fair shows, which, you know, I, I have the King city fairs, 
which are a huge APW, uh, you know, back in the day and stuff, you know, and I was like, I can't risk any of these fairs or any of these shows like CAC or whatever. So I end up just moving it to pro wrestling unplugged. I talked to Todd Gordon, talked to the, uh, the backseat boys and guys like that. And I said, Hey man, uh, do you guys have that name anymore? He's like, Nope, it's not, you could do whatever you want with it. So I went, I trademarked it. I did everything I need to. I even trademarked Vendetta and all that name too. I have all that set up. The thing is, is, you know, there's a lot of stuff I can't say on this, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I, I got all this right stuff I need to do for Pro Wrestling Unplugged. It was, I think that was a cool name. I just started using that name and then that's how things kind of worked out and it's still going to this day. Of course, we got hit with a terrible pandemic, but um, we're yeah. ready to come back when California's ready to open up, you know, and uh, so I had to move on and, and work uh, the Micromania stuff, you know, and you know what right. I mean? So. And let's, let's get into that and let's get into Micromania, how you got – uh how did, how did you get that started and you are you're still doing shows right at this time or here and there or something like that yeah actually you know what's funny it's like um the crazy thing about micromania so i started out in 2006 i uh, I, uh, uh july 2006 we called it midget mania and um i had a i had a, a guy I had a fallen out with another midget wrestling company and so he's like hey you want all these venue contacts i'm like sure <laughs> wasn't sure i was gonna do anything but i knew i knew all the mexican right. minis and all that and that's a lot of those guys were they weren't doing any of the micro midget wrestling companies so i'm like oh i got all the minis you know and then so i i i did the july anyway so i started researching i'm like you know what i'll, I'll give it a run you never know i mean even if i do a few shows a year uh and see how it goes i mean i can't tour like those other guys but i can do a few shows california's big enough to do it all so Right. I ran July 2016 and uh, the first two shows, I mean, first show was pr uh, pretty much a sellout. The second show was a sellout, uh, July, the first two shows. Uh, unfortunately, the show was in, um, is, was in by San Bernardino and the, the next show was in Santa Rosa. I didn't realize how long that drive was. <laughs> you know, but, and we get the bar shows, you get out two in the morning. It was, it was yeah. the first weekend. I didn't know after, and then the following month we did like, eight shows and in, in five and eight and I uh, was it six shows or eight shows in six days or something like that. It was, it was crazy. So, and we did one show in Riverside called the River, Riverside Municipal Auditorium, Lucha Boom and NXT both run there and we outdrew them, which is 2,200 people. I'm like, wow, nice. this is crazy. You know, the yeah. people love midget wrestling. It was crazy how it worked out. Well, then over the years, I ended up transferring it, starting to call it Micromania, just to kind of be more politically correct for, for venues when they're trying to advertise. We still call it Micromania Midget Wrestling, but we just kind of try to work out with that. Anyway, so that worked out. We were running all over California. We were running, at that time, probably 2006, probably 50 shows a year, 60, which is pretty decent. That's not even top of the Vendetta Unplugged shows. We're running 20 of those a year, you know. Right. So close to a hundred, let's say close to hundred shows our first year. That's, that's pretty good. You know, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. if you average that out, so that's like, you know, eight shows a month. Yeah. Next thing you know, pandemic hit. And then all of a sudden I got a call from a friend of mine. He's like, Hey man, I, he's a midget wrestling company. I'm going to, uh, I'm not going to go on the road. I just, I got a regular job. I just don't want to do it. Do you want my shows? I'm like, sure. So we started doing, we started Idaho, Colorado, Wyoming. And I'm like, Oh, this is pretty cool. And then somebody got, word about it and from Sturgis and so the 80th anniversary of Sturgis they called says hey we want you a Sturgis so we worked that out there's we did like three shows we had three shows scheduled a guy called me he's like man I don't know what it is but your banner is outside our venue venue and everybody's talking about it now we want to book you six straight shows we're like hell yeah you know so then we we did Sturgis come back and of course it's still in pandemic time which is over the summer this past summer and 
And then the same guy says, Hey, you want to call me up? You want to do my October shows? This is like all over Florida, Georgia, you know? Uh, And then next thing you know, from October through December, we did 45 shows and then all over the United States, of course, Southern States, you know, we're safe. We, we know who's open, who's not open, you know, and now we just start our, in February, we start Micromania. This is our fifth year, 2021. We start February. And so far we got Myrtle bike bike week, Daytona bike week, Sturgis all booked. Uh, We're booked in like 15 different States so far. But we have probably four, uh, about 70 shows. Like, as you can tell, look at like, I mean, these are all like, like, it's crazy. Look at all the shows, you know, it's like, like we got like 70 shows so far already through 2000, through only June, including Hawaii, you know, and then we start back up in California, hopefully September, we got a couple of casino shows in, on June. And then we start back in Santa Cruz and all you guys have to go to that one, man. We sold out this last time. Yeah, no, that sounds great. I, I definitely do want to uh, go check one out. Once in a while, a friend of mine will send me a picture of a flyer or at the events like, hey, dude, check yeah. this out. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know, I know the promoter. And uh, one of my friends, yeah. uh, Sam- Samara, I think wrestled for one or two shows for you. Uh, oh, yeah. For you. Yeah, Samara. I saw, I saw yeah, a video we of her featured, stuff there. Yeah. Yeah, we featured a uh, actually funny story. I wrestled her because we got somebody couldn't make it last minute. So I actually, as a ring announcer, called her out and we wrestled one-on-one. And I just remember the build, you know, it's not made for tall people, like some buildings, you know, this one was in For- Forestville. And I remember I gave her some move and her feet went right up through the ceiling. I remember that. Not the suplex. The suplex. So what's one of the craziest fan oh. interactions that you've seen or, or been a oh, part of? I had to write it down because there were so many. Okay, so first of all, I've run shows for almost 20 years now, and I've only maybe had one or one, maybe two, maybe. I don't even remember the one, to be honest with you, of people running into the ring and, and being stupid, kind of like you've seen on Bash of the Beach back in the day and all that stuff. Right. Uh, wow, but Micromania, I probably get someone to run in the ring at least one one show out of five, you know? And they don't know what they're going to do, just like you've seen in WWE matches. They don't know what they're going to do. But I'll tell you one, there's a couple fan interactions. One was really, one of the ones that really stands out is we were in Costa Mesa and our ring was butted up to the stage and the fans are just everywhere. This place is sold out every time, you know. And um, Richie was wrestling. Richie Slade was wrestling Ashley Grace. And we did that a lot. We did the midget wrestling, but then we did like, you know, the bigger guys versus the girls and they hated Mm -hmm. the guys wrestling the girls. This guy got so drunk, he went and ran and jumped off the stage into the ring and hit Ricky, uh, Richie from behind and hit him right in the back of the leg. Luckily, Richie didn't get hurt. David Brown, our referee, uh, he went Randy Contour and started beating him up, you know. And our DJ booth is right against the stage, so he had to, like, he rolled right in between the DJ booth where I was at. And I came around the corner and grabbed, now, see, this is what, Richie and them are telling me, I don't remember doing this, but I must have super strength at that time when you're mad or something like that. I grabbed him like Darth Vader and picked him up in the air and threw him out the front door, picked him up and walked him out the door and threw him out of the door. You know, you know, I got an embarrassing story about, you said, you know, most embarrassing moments. And I don't know, Uh, man, back to the micromania, man, this thing, I don't know what happened. We were in a city called Ramona. This is about a year or two ago, about two years ago. 
we were the way I run my show, I do introductions in the beginning on who's on the show. And so the very last guy was coming out and he's the baby face. So of course that's the pop of the crowd. And next thing you know, I'm standing, our ring is on a stage and everybody's behind like in front of the stage and the back, all of a sudden I'm, I'm standing on a stage while my wrestler is in the coming of the ring. And next thing you know, I look next to me and there's a lady next to me standing there naked in front of everybody. And, uh, and I was like, why is there a naked lady standing next to me? You know? And she was, I was asking her, I said, uh, excuse me, you know, talking to her and I'm in the middle of the show and she's naked and she's gibberish. I don't know what was going on. I was trying to get her to go back to our little block room because it was right there. And all of a sudden she just was not listening. She was drugged up or something. And then all of a sudden, I didn't know what to do. All of a sudden I see the owner from coming down the aisle with a tablecloth and they wrap her up. And then I talked <laughs> to the owner. She's like, she told me that whatever you were saying on the microphone made her want to take her clothes off and come on stage. I'm like, damn, what? <laughs> it was the weirdest thing in the world. I'd never seen that before. Like, you know, it was just weird, you know? And so like, anyway, that's kind of like crazy. I mean, but they happen all the time. You know, we do a thing in our shows at the end of the night where the fans get to come in the ring and kind of hit our wrestlers with our own weapons, bacon pans, trash cans, whatever. Well, even the last tour, we had a guy, um, one of my midgets had to beat, had to beat the guy up because, you know, those rules, you know, you get to take the trash in and swing and throw it. And, I mean, and hit him. That's all you got to do. This guy thought it'd be cool to go and throw it over him like a bear hug. And he grabbed and threw my midget down on the floor. My midget, my midget wrestlers aren't, they're not, they're not pushovers. He got up and sink double leg, take them down and started beating them up and, and and then the security started beating them up when they got them outside it's like hey you know you knew better than that you know but then he got on a mic or not a mic you can hear him yelling he's like okay hank one hank one that was my midget wrestler's name you know it's like you know we get that a lot because you we work in bars you know so you have to deal with oh, drunk yeah. people all the time so we're 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 very understanding and we do our best to not actually do get to that point which we hardly ever get to that point but um people still get stupid and want to jump in the ring or whatever, you know, and you just have to get them out of the ring. Um, I've had to take people out a few times just because people just get stupid. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's because of midget wrestling compared to bigger guys. Maybe they don't want to get their ass kicked. They think midget wrestlers won't. Well, there's proof right there. Our guys will beat the shit out of you, you know, winding down here. Um, sure. So obviously, you know, besides the vendetta stuff, besides the, what what went down there what else have you found disappointing about the business all the all these years that you've been been a part of it what has one thing that that's always you found disappointing um i i think with a disappointing factor when it comes to wrestling i think i mean i, I see all these i mean and i'm not i'm not knocking um aw and wwe or whatever man or nxt or whatever man they're they're so amazing their talent but it's so uh there's no character development like almost like it's almost like people and it's disappointing because they're over there killing each other taking all these bumps and these these crazy moves to get a reaction that you could get if you just build your character up and uh, i like i like that mjk or whatever i mean i don't really know him well but i know he has a character and and he builds off his character and he's not out there killing killing himself and he's getting the reaction that all these guys could get if they just build up their characters and i don't think it's the wrestler's fault they're just give they're just doing what they're given you know and 
and I get it, man. I'd do whatever they, if I was, can get TV and all that, I'd do that as well. But I just feel like it's disappointing because people, they're, they're, they're not going to last as long as like me or these guys, like, you know, 20 years or whatever, you know, uh, they could, I don't know. Maybe they have super yeah. bodies. I don't know, you know, but you know, they're wrestling they're, they're, that many bumps in one match is going to take a toll, you know? And, uh, I don't know when it will, you know, but it's definitely something else. I, I think also disappointing, you know, people don't, people forget where they come from in the wrestling, you know, they forget where they came from and, uh, how they got to the business or how they got to the top. You know, I have guys, you know, that are on TV now who, uh, train with us in the beginning, uh, won't even take claim that they started our school for three, four months and then went on to like, uh, a, a, another school that they paid thousands of dollars to be at, you know? Uh, and then when I went to go put out my school, for example, like I wanted to put advertisement for those people that were, you know, claiming vendettas or name, I was going to, I was going to, uh, put out a big list of all these people that have been through our school. And then I asked one of the guys, Hey man, can I put you down? Since you started with us and got ahead, your feet wet. Oh no, I, I'm not giving you permission to do that. I'm like, really? Wow. <laughs> like, I like, okay. So, I mean, you didn't even know, you know, you filmed me anyway. He's, I, I get along with the guy. I just thought that was funny. Personally. I, I'm not mad at anybody at this point. I'm all, I'm the only people I'm mad at are people like the vendetta name and, you know, uh, and then people, you know, I think people need to earn the disappointing is people feel like they don't have to earn their keep in wrestling to be, to be in wrestling. So some people think they can buy their way in the shows or, or, or like you were saying, uh, I was telling you, man, just go to school, get trained, get, you know, work your way up, work hard and, and things will come into you. I think if you work hard enough and get yourself out there, I've never told no one not that I'm going to get them to WWE or I'm going to get them there. I'm going to get them there. I'm going to get you the right kind of training. And then if you get an opportunity where you can leave and spread your wings and fly, see, the thing is, is with Gangrel, he's always taught me, you always, you know, you got to always expand and, and, and do all these different shows. And even if the show's a shitty show, even though I told you I regretted it, I didn't regret it, I just regret the bumps, you know, but all these shows, you, you, you're going to get better by learning from bad and good shows. And that's how you get your name out there is you might not get, you know, don't go out there and try to get paid. Oh, I, I need to get, I need to get all this money to make it to the show. I needed to know. I mean, I, I never really did that. Like I, I didn't never really worried about pay because it's never going to be enough and it's never going to pay my, my gas. I don't care what level you're at now. Now, some of these people now maybe be that, that way, but people have to remember that every, all the people that you're stepping on on the way up are the same people you're going to pass on the way down. And so why, why like treat them bad? Or, uh, so what's, you know, just final goodbye, you know, what, what's yeah. in the future for Billy blade? I know, I know you're waiting for the pandemic to die down a little bit to do uh unplug pro wrestling unplugged shows. You're doing micromania. Mm-hmm. You're still, tra- you're still training. We actually have a friend, a uh, mutual friend, Ray Genesis that I believe trans trains with you. Uh, he came up yeah. here and he started training with us and then because he was yeah, driving yeah. from Bakersfield to Hayward. We're like, no, dude, there's gotta be somewhere closer to your spot, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was telling him that too, man. I'll tell you, man, Ray Genesis, Ray Genesis. Uh, he is a great student to have. He's the type of student you want at your school uh, because he's so dedicated uh, and that's the way it should be. That's, you know what, when I first started training at Jesse's, I was four hours away and I would go and train on a Tuesday night, stay the night in a hotel, and then go train Wednesday night, then come home and then be home at two in the morning and then train, go to work at five. So like I, I that's dedication. And, and a lot of people nowadays are spoiled because there's so many schools. There wasn't so many schools back in the day. Yeah. So Ray Hennis is a great student. I mean, I got a lot of up and coming students and, and 
Um, we're training people right now. Like I said, we, we closed down for a little while for the pandemic. And then I gave my students the option and, uh, they said, you know what, we kids can't sit this long, you know? So now we're back to training. Uh, he's starting to do shows. Ray Hennis says he's getting there. Um, we're, we have a lot of really potential, great potential, potentially really good students. And if they stick with it, you know, I mean, we got guys like Sledge who, you know, came from our schools now ring of honor, our other we had Buddy Royal that ended up being signed with New Japan Pro Wrestling at one point. And, you know, I mean, just guys are come, coming out of our school that, you know, I, I think um, they're getting the grasp of, like, actual pro wrestling and the old school, I guess, style. Because, unfortunately, I, I can't teach them the new school style. You you learn that when you get in the matches, you know. You don't really learn that training at schools. In my opinion, I think if you just stick to the basis and get that in your mind, uh, Chavo Guerrero told me one thing when we were doing a seminar with Chavo because he was our Vendetta Pro Champion at one point. Uh, so we have Chavo a lot. He said that we are all, we're all professional. This is a, uh, an advice to be watching. We're all professional fucker uppers is what he called us because we're able to cover up our fuck ups professionally and and you know real quick you know and because we're we're and so the thing is is like people you have to revert back to basics when you fuck up and everybody does in every single match. So if you don't have that basic knowledge or that foundation you can't go back to it you know and there's a lot of people that are missing that uh unfortunately but you know what they'll get it hopefully but hopefully it's not too late by the time they you know get in bad habits and just spot 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 eventually you'll get out i did the same thing when i was young but i eventually had to because i get out of it you know but micromania like you were saying micromania same thing uh uh the future with billy blade i was planning on 2020 being my last year and then this all happened so I do want to have maybe two or three more matches uh, before I leave uh, 2021. If it opens back up, I'd definitely like to have two, three more matches, you know, maybe one at call for alley just because I've always been, that's always been good to me. And right. of course, Santa Maria, I want to go, go out with a bang, whatever. And maybe, maybe one more with the Ballard brothers, you know, I remember quick, you know, roll. I was the last APW internet champion when Roland passed away four days later, I just won it. And see, I never really got Roland's, um, Roland always put me over whatever, but like, I never, as a wrestler, he never really, but I, that last, that last time I, I, when I won that title, he actually talked about how proud he was to me and stuff like that. It was weird how that happened. And next thing you know, um, he passed away, you know, and I, I actually beat Drake younger on that for that title, you know, and I was real mm. proud of that because it was, I feel like, it, you know, I, I've been in APW so long. I never really had a singles title. And, um, yeah. and that, now with pro, pro wrestling unplugged and micromania, micromania is, just micromaniatour.com we're we're touring all over the united states uh now because of the pandemic so we're in like i said daytona bike week merle beach bike week we just got booked in sturgis i'm working on uh all kinds of stuff we're in hawaii this would be our fourth trip of hawaii this summer um we're all over california starting i think june into the uh, july september hopefully that's long enough away that we can plan it we've had to push our shows so many we lost 50 60 shows you know now, I know there's a lot of companies out there to talk about, or what, you know, they want to, you know, California based, they really only stick to California. Like, I feel like we're the busiest company right now in, in all of pro wrestling, even busier than guys like WWE, whatever. I mean, we're running four days a week, uh, starting in right. February, January for probably through a whole, the whole year, you know, and so that's a lot of time on the road. And uh, it's, 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 I'm thankful that, you know, that certain states are still open and, and I'm allowing it. So I'm, I'm real happy with that. And I know that, um, pro wrestling unplugged, we're ready for that to come back. Uh, California will be back soon, but promoting has always been real good to me over since. And so I, I think I've learned a lot from guys like Jesse Hernandez and, 
and, and guys like, you know, uh, that I've come up with, you know, even Rick Bassman is a really cool guy with me, man. He's real cool. I've been to our shows, Ballard brothers and guys having those guys backstage. I always, Rick luxury is a huge, huge, uh, supporter of us. And we're huge. Uh, Rick, Rick luxury is good friends of mine, Sparky Ballard, guys like that, even Roland Alexander. I learned, I learned a lot from Mount Roland and, and Johnny LaRocca and, and even Gabriel Maris and J- Jason Dedrick and uh, Zach Reeb, you know, MPT and, a big ugly, all those guys, Mike rain, you know, I mean, we, we, uh, there's so many good promoters out there. And I, 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 I give on a, you know, homage to all those guys because I mean, we all learn from each other. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I want to put over this. I do want to, I wanted a note here. I wanted to put over Vito. I didn't know Vito. I was his first match. Yeah, Watching your podcast is cool. Yeah. yeah. First match in Cali. I, the thing is in Cal, when you, I would listen to your podcast, all these old school guys that I work with, man, I, we had a lot of fun times and I don't know if I got labeled one of the best wrestlers. I never wanted to be, but I, I've wrestled a lot, a lot of people over the years and I've had really, really good matches in my, and I think, and I don't think, I, I think I never really got the credit I deserve sometimes, you know, but I'm okay with that. Cause I, I wasn't looking to get fans opinions, you know, as long as the wrestlers and me got along. And I think I, I built a good relationship with the right people that are still friends with me to this day, you know, and uh, what I meant about Vito is I wanted to put over the shit bandits, man. That I, that's cool. You know, <laughs> the shit bandits, you know, that story, man. I, I, I still have nightmares to that stories, man. I, I just can imagine being a maid. Like, oh man, Jesus. Yeah. That, like, that, if you that, guys that, don't know the story, you got to <laughs> watch. Yeah. Watch Vito Tomaselli's uh, interview and watch Sal Tomaselli's interview because he was also, Oh, Sal talked about it. I got to see that too. Yeah. But yeah, I got to see that, all that, but yeah. That literal shit scarred me for life as well. But uh, no, thank you, Billy Blade. Yeah, yeah. Um, like yeah, I said, I appreciate sure. uh, since we met, you've always been cool with me and uh, I am very proud of your success and I, and I wish you continued success. And uh, thank you everybody for watching in the handshake. I've been Jesus Cruz with Billy Blade. We'll catch you next time.